The Old Testament reading for this morning comes from the book of the prophet Jeremiah, beginning in the 18th chapter at the first verse. And Jeremiah wrote these things. God told Jeremiah, up on your feet, go to the potter's house, and when you get there, I'll tell you what I have to say. So I went to the potter's house, and sure enough, the potter was there working away at his wheel. And whenever the pot the potter was working on turned out badly, as sometimes happens when you are working with clay, the potter would simply start over and use the same clay to make another pot. And then God's message came to me. Can't I do just as this potter does, people of Israel? God's decree. Watch this potter. In the same way that this potter works his clay, I work on you, people of Israel. At any moment, I may decide to pull up a people or a country by the roots and get rid of them. But if they repent of their wicked lives, I will think twice and start over with them. At another time, I might decide to plant a people or country, but if they don't cooperate and won't listen to me, I will think again and give up on the plans I had for them. So tell the people of Judah and the citizens of Jerusalem my message, danger, I'm shaping doom against you, laying plans against you. Turn back from your doomed way of life. Straighten out your lives. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? The Lord is my light and my salvation. I have no reason to fear. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. God hides me in the shelter of God's hand in times of trouble and lifts me high and sets me on a rock. O oh Lord, show us your ways. Teach us the paths you would have us follow. For our courage comes from you. Open our ears, our hearts, and our minds to your word for us this day. Amen. A teacher asked her class of fifth graders to write about their personal heroes. And one little girl brought her essay home and showed it to her parents. And her father was very flattered to discover that his daughter had chosen him. Well, why did you pick me? He asked proudly. Because I couldn't spell DiCaprio, the girl said. <laughs> I wonder how many of us make choices in our lives, not because they're our first choices, but we're just afraid to pick, or we don't even really know how to make a choice. In this election year, when we are asked to make choices, I just can't help but think that much of the motivation behind our choices seems to be fear and mistrust. I think the evidence of these two motivations is everywhere. It's in the rhetoric of our candidates and the images that emerge from their thinking as well. You see, this wall to separate us, this talk of it, it's not something new. 
You know, it really wasn't all that long ago that one used to be able to just drive by the White House in Washington, D.C. However, a symbol of our mistrust, a wall of sorts, cement barriers were moved along Pennsylvania Avenue where it runs in front of the White House. You know, we finally came to a point where our population could no longer be trusted to drive by the president's place of residence. Fear that some car bomber might actually drive right up on the White House lawn took over any notion of citizens having access to the people and places in power. So the barriers stay up and the people stay back and our mistrust seems only reasonable. We don't seem to trust any business or industry trying to make money. We've passed laws concerning every aspect of manufacturing, product labeling, worker safety issues, fair hiring and firing practices, product performance, consumer rights. Yet all of those news magazine shows of ours seem to have little difficulty in researching those stories of complete disregard of, for issues of safety, health, and quality present in various business corporations and organizations. When we look at big business, big pharma, the federal government, corporate farming, I could go on and on and on. We just naturally assume that something must be wrong. We mistrust anyone and anything with that much control and power. Now when you were a kid, you look at our authority figures, adults, and you believe that grown-ups get to do whatever they want. I think it's probably one of the great myths of youth. We look at adults and we think that no one's telling them to do this or to be there or to stop doing that or correcting them in any way. And I think we assume that when you get to be 18, you'll be able to do whatever you want. Those of us that are past that age know that it's never really quite that simple though. Because in truth, Adulthood is filled with deadlines, mortgages, tax forms, soccer game schedules, baseball schedules, and more work than hours in the day. But I think it's also true that for most of us, adulthood is really the freest time in our lives. No one can tell us that we must go to bed, eat our broccoli, or turn off the TV. We have more freedom of movement and freedom of choice than we probably would like to admit. In fact, I'll go this far. I really think that one of the greatest fears about getting older is how we will deal with the shrinking number of freedoms we will have when physical limitations and money difficulties make us once again dependent on others for our daily support. Seems like a long lead up. But the text from Jeremiah this morning graphically reminds us that no matter how independent we think we are, no matter how on top of things we think we are, no matter how in control we think we are, 
The fact is, we are still really just clay. We are being worked, molded, shaped, and stretched by hands inside and outside of our existence. Freedom and independence, I think they're really just illusions we must learn to see through if we would take on the life that God's artistic hand is forming in us. Jeremiah's observation that we are like clay in the master potter's hand doesn't mean that we are likened to some shapeless lump wholly at the mercy of the artist's hand. Ask any artist and they will tell you that despite their plans, sometimes the material that they are working with just refuses to cooperate. It seems to have other plans in mind. So up on your feet and go to the potter's house. And when you get there, I'll tell you what I've got to say. Now, Jeremiah was well-practiced at being a keen observer. And the simple, long-standing profession of potter was not dismissed by the prophet as just a man throwing a pot. While Jeremiah waited to hear a word from the Lord, he observed the relationship between the potter and his creation. And when the clay was turning out badly, as sometimes happens, you know, when you are working with clay, the potter changes his original intention for the clay and reworks the stubborn lump into some other kind of pot. So the potter and the clay together determined the finished shape of the project. It's the elements of both constancy and change that give power to Jeremiah's perception at the potter's house. The potter's ceaseless working with the clay, shaping and molding it, coaxing it to take on a new form, new life, is a hands-on kind of constancy. But the way the clay responds to the pressure, its pliability, its texture, may well cause the potter to change creative direction midway through the shaping process. And all of this is valuable and true for us personally. But the word of the Lord that comes to Jeremiah as he watches the potter work likens the relationship between potter and clay to that of the Lord and Israel. And we find that what is true for us individually is also true for us as a larger community. The same manner in which God works with us individually is also constant for us as a community. So the individual and corporate question this morning, I think, is simply this. Can we trust God enough with all of our flex and imperfections, our mistakes and failures, our dreams and our talents? Can we trust that the master potter can make something of a beauty out of the beast. And I believe that it can happen if we do the most important thing. We must get these lumps centered on the potter's wheel. If the clay is not centered, the forces generated when the wheel spins will splatter us in a wide circle of chaos. Trusting God is to allow ourselves to be centered in the will of God for life. And it's not just in our lives as community living in relationship with each other, however tenuous that may be. 
but it's also taking responsibility for our own creative journeys through this life. Because the truth is, whether we want to admit it or not, we are all being worked. I think that seems like a good thought to leave with you in the middle of this Labor Day weekend. I believe that it is the never-changing force, the never-changing source of new life that makes this a happy day. Amen.